Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside episode number 53 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my pal. It is Ryan Ripkin. Uh, episode 53, this is the Christian Walker episode. So as we get into higher jersey numbers, it's getting harder and harder to find, A, guys that have worn the number of more than, like, a season, or B, like, you know, guys that are, are of prominence that wear 50s, because, I don't know, it's just, it's it's not a, it's not a something that, like, when you get to a level of prominence in baseball, you probably just you knock the jersey number down maybe 20 or so. But episode 53, Christian Walker, Ryan, uh, Orioles legend Christian Walker, by the way. So um, it's a big it's a big episode, a big episode. Uh, well, first off, Justin, how are you doing? It's always it's always great to be on with you. Christian Walker, though, honestly, South Carolina legend, first and foremost. I remember, go Cox. you know, even go Cox going down there. And, you know, I met him during an offseason when I was there my freshman year. And, you know, the thing was, I remember watching him so much on those successful runs for the Gamecocks. And I mean, everyone that I talked to and then just watching, it's like if there's one thing that guy was put on the earth to do, it's, it's to hit that dude can just flat out rake and. And he did. And then obviously I think he got drafted in the fourth round with the Orioles and might have to fact check me with that. But, you know, then he, mm. you know, waited out. I was right. Bingo. Yep. I, I, I know your guys. And, uh, you know, which is awesome for him is that he finally found a home in, in Arizona and it's worked out. And he had a really great year last year. We were talking about before, like 39 bombs and 94 RBIs. You know, you're, you're super productive. The high jersey thing, though, is interesting because I always felt whatever they're going to give you to be in the big leagues, you'll take it. And sometimes if you have success, you're superstitious and you'll stay with it. So I'm curious if that was the case for him. Maybe he really likes 53. But regardless, we get to talk about Christian Walker with this episode title. So whatever whatever gives us a reason to talk about him. Um, hope he has a great 2023 season. Big Christian Walker guy. Uh, I remember when he he came up in 2014 uh, with the Orioles, had a cup of coffee, and I remember he had like his first big league home run. It's like, hey, it's like this guy, like he'll be good in the future. And then you know the 2014 Orioles were like my favorite team of all time. So, um, but you know it's weird. I looked at his baseball reference with the Orioles. He was 18, then he was 34, and then he went to Arizona and picked 53. So maybe there's like so he picked. A, yes, it looks like interesting. It. Interesting. Also won a gold glove this year. So uh, this guy, total package, Christian Walker, go Cox. Go Cox. And and quickly, though, to to keep this in mind, you know, everyone's wondering, well, you know, he had a great year. Orioles let a guy go. Like, keep in mind at the time, the Orioles had Chris prime Chris Davis. And Chris Davis was hitting 50 bombs and and hitting for a higher average and, and really being that productive player. Like, people forget that with Chris Davis. Chris Davis was on one for those X amount of years, like he earned his contract. I know people have a different feeling about how it, it, the contract ended, but Chris Davis was one of the most feared hitters in baseball. And that's just how the business works at times. Christian Walker wasn't going to fit with him in, in, in Baltimore's plan. And the beauty of it, which is awesome. Once you're in the game and around, he goes somewhere else perseveres and, and now has 
really solidified himself on hopefully what is an exciting Diamondback team coming up. Ooh, we're going to talk a little bit about Diamondbacks here at the end here. But yeah, so uh, it, it's episode 53, the Crochet Walker episode. We have a lot to talk about today. The Hall of Fame Hall of Fame ballot election results came out like an hour before we started taping this. Um, so we have a lot of fun stuff. But before we get to that, we have a quick word uh, by our sponsor of the Breaking Bats podcast, Som Sleep. Uh, Som Sleep has the scientifically advanced Som Snack drink. It has ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery, as we all know, and it's helped people everywhere take their games to the next level. All you have to do is drink one serving of Psalm Sleep 30 minutes before bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning, but not Psalm Sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. All you have to do is go to GetSom.com, enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout, and you get 10% off of your entire order. So, like I just mentioned, uh, the 2023 Baseball uh, Hall of Fame election results finally came out. Kind of underwhelming. I'll be honest, we talked about this maybe last week or the week before. It's just, I don't know, it's just lost that pizzazz. It's lost the luster. It's lost the, you get like four guys in on the same ballot. It's, I don't know. So the one pro, the one player elected by the writers this year was Scott Rowland. Uh, he will join Fred McGriff. McGriff was a unanimous selection by the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee in December. So try saying that 10 times fast. Uh, so those two guys will be heading up to Cooperstown this summer i've always wanted to go to the ceremony in the summer i've been to cooperstown like the museum itself twice it's like my favorite part of the country up in uh, upstate new york but um it's it's interesting for scott Rowland because this is a guy his first year of eligibility way back when he only got 10 percent, and then he climbed from 10 percent up until he had 76 percent this year to get in you don't you, you don't really see guys start at 10 and get in um what do you think this is a case of do you think it's a case of like the people dug more into the analytics because he was a high war guy, uh, gold glovers too. So um, what do you think was the deciding factor that you think got Scott Rowland elected in this year? Well, Hey, perseverance, by the way, of just you know, waiting it out. I, I will say this and seeing it or experiencing other, other players are just knowing, knowing, you know, having the chance to know people, as as great of careers that they that they've had, the, the waiting around part to then be validated. That's the final step of every player is to get validated to the Hall of Fame. Like that's what you hope to be in, especially if you're a really really great player for a long time, or you were so consistent, consistently good for a long time. And that's where I think like the Scott Rowland uh, talks came in. Right, Scott Rowland was consistently good, and if you look at, I know offensively his numbers. There, if you look at the whole body of work, is it the craziest thing? No, but I mean, he had a stretch from 98 to looking at 2002 where he had 25 or more home runs in each of those years, you know, and he was providing gold glove level defense. And to me, that was, we're talking about like the eye test. That was a player that caught my eye when I was a kid, you know? And so to your point, it is – I don't know – we talked about this a little bit before, Justin. I don't know how writers – you know, where they stand on how they want to vote guys in and how they do it because by a, by a measurable standpoint, Scott Rowland then, if you're looking at numbers, I mean, he had 316 home runs, less than – you know, actually, he only had 2,000 hits. But he did play for – you know, he debuted when he was 21 and retired when he was 37. So I don't, I don't know what the parameters are here. I mean – we talked about this. I mean, what, what is the voting system now? Like what, what, what do people value? What do you value? I mean, I, so I think 
I remember because I, I watch a lot of like the roundtables discussions on MLB Network, and and one thing that like I've learned to appreciate more is like it's it's just all about the peak. It doesn't matter how long that peak is, but if you had like even if you had like a five year stretch that you were one of the top players in baseball, like that's still good enough. Like yeah, his three hundred and sixteen home runs in you know two eighty one average. Like they don't jump off the page to you, but um. He what what was the stat I saw? He, he has a career war of seventy point one, and it's the ninth best among third basemen ever. So it's like if you dig, you know, peel back the layers of the onion, and his baseball reference page is not like the sexiest thing ever. Like I don't know. I I saw like I wanted to see what the people were saying about Scott Rowland's election, and you know, there's no better indicator of that than the Instagram comments of like the post where he got elected. And here's some of my favorites: the Hall of Very Good is leaking. Thought that was good. Uh, they're just letting anybody in now is what somebody else said. And then here's another one that I thought was interesting too, where it's like, somebody said Omar Vizquel was better. And I'm like, uh, I forgot about Omar Vizquel. He had, Omar Vizquel had 2,877 hits. He had more gold gloves than Scott Rowland did. Um, I don't know why, I mean, he had to play longer. I think, I think Omar Vizquel played 24 years, but like, why isn't Omar Vizquel in, but Scott Rowland's in. So it's like, we're, we're kind of nitpicking the guys that have no steroid affiliation, but like we're good. Yeah. I think that's the whole topic of, you know, what, what is this, this, what is the standard now? And it's, and it is talked about with, with guys, if, if you, whether or not the, the steroid era happened, but, and clearly now that that has affected voters thoughts. And, and I get it. If you don't want to bring guys in because of steroid allegations or, confirm steroid use i can completely understand but on the flip side i feel like we're losing the understanding of of what qualifies for guys and i think that that's where as fans you wonder but i also will say this especially being just seeing it we don't see careers lasting that long anymore like the true great ones and yes you could deem that as being a hall of fame career but then keep this in mind you know, Scott Rowland, then, like I just said, he had a 16, 17 big year, big league career. And of those years, I think he won eight gold gloves. He was an all-star in seven of those. And he was the rookie of the year. I mean, you could say it's very good, but the, the consistency of his career was, was very good. And to be a Hall of Fame player, you have to be very good for a long period of time. And the, the kind of... I'm happy for Scott. I'll say that. I am extremely happy for the player because, like we talked about earlier, you get validated. This is the last step. And I will say the longer, even though you're on the on the ballot, even though you might have no thought that you're going to get in, every year if it gets brought up and you see how many people vote for you, that can't feel good. That can't feel good with the guys that are maybe creeping up a little bit or the guys that percentages stays nowhere. So the fact, to your point, that Scott Rowland went from such a low percentage to finally reaching the goal of Cooperstown is awesome. Do I personally think he deserves a a spot in Cooperstown? Absolutely. And I'm happy that he's going to get his recognition you know, this summer. So I went ahead and I looked for the 2024 ballot and I wanted to see what the, the storylines for next year would be. Um, the only person that I can really see that could be like surefire first ballot is Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre, now that's that's a guy who has numbers that like they they better than Scott Rowland. Like Beltre had 477 career home runs to Scott's 316. Beltre had four four time All Star. He had five Gold Gloves, two Platinums, four Silver Sluggers. Like 
Scott Rowland, I think, only finished in the top 10 for MVP voting once. <laughs> it's like, and, and Adrian Beltre almost won it one year. So it was like, yeah, I, I, if I'm if I'm going to plant my flag and I'm going to stake a claim to somebody that I want to be in Cooperstown, I'm glad Scott made it in just because, yeah, like all the reasons you said, but like, I don't know. I want Beltre next year. Uh, Todd Helton just barely missed, by the way. Todd Helton got it looks like he'll it looks like he'll be in the next year. I mean, rarely do you see a guy get that close and then the next year, you know, regress so much. So it looks like Todd's going to have a chance as well. But you're right. I mean, it's going to just I'm just curious with the future ballots, as long as some of these players in the steroid era, where it's going to land. And I think that that's going to be a question we're all going to wonder. And and then um, so it's Scott Rowan and, and Fred McGriff. Correct. Yep. So, I, and look, I mean, you could take that one away. I, give me your opening thoughts on on that. On just the the class itself, or or a Fred McGriff selection. Fred McGriff, Fred McGriff selection with that process. I mean, his biggest thing was that he never got to that coveted five hundred home run number, and he played in that era where guys were clearing five hundred easy. So he kind of like was a victim of the era that he played in. I think it's cool that we had this thing that, that God, what is this committee called? Just you know, for bar trivia night, if you get the you know get this question, it was the the contemporary baseball era players committee. I think write I saw they down. meet. Every, yes, write that down. Uh, I think they meet every three years. It's like a cycle of them. Uh, you mentioned your, uh, Harold Baines, the pride of St. Michael's, Maryland, who got elected in a couple years ago. Um, he was elected in on the today's game era committee. So apparently, the, the Hall of Fame just has these these committees of guys. Um, that I, I think people aren't 100% clear when they meet or who's on it, but they just will, they'll put them in when the when the BBWA writers don't. So we have that to as a fallback. Well, we do, and again, so with all that going on, there's so much confusion. I think fans then they sit here and they go, well, so how how do players get elected? And then when you look at a guy like Fred McGriff, where again, if if you're playing in a certain era, there's allegations, whatever it may be. You can say that, but then how, how do you go about this? And for Fred McGriff, almost hitting 500 home runs. And keep in mind, there's only X amount of players in the history of the game that have done that. And now I get it. If you have steroid-confirmed con- use, you're going to be – it's going to be brought down. Like, we've had this discussion. Barry Bonds, to me, was going to be a Hall of Famer regardless if he took steroids. But would he hit 700 home runs? No. Would he hit 500? I don't know about that. But was he a talented player when you look at him? Yes. And I think that's the part where I, I, I want the eye test to still be there. And I'm glad, at least for Fred McGriff, they go, hey, did Fred have a Hall of Fame type career? And they're able to look at that and assess it even years later. Yes. Which is great. And But it, this system, I'll tell you what, like I, I don't know, maybe it's social media more, Justin, but because people now are releasing their ballots early and – there's just like this fuel and, and anger or frustration from the fans of feeling like writers have too much control on the situation. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very imperfect system, but it does provide good fodder in the off season. Um, when there's kind of like this dead period where there's like all the good free agents are gone. Most of them. Um, we're just waiting for spring training and that's going to start soon where it's like X number of days until you see like the, the trucks with the bags heading down to Florida or whatever, but it's good. It's good stuff to talk about. We, I have one last, last thing about the hall of fame. I like looking at this every single year. It's the guys who got dropped off the ballot who received less than 5%. It's unfortunate. 
it's hilarious that some of these guys received one vote. Um, but I, I liked I like whoever put them on their ballot. So these are the guys that will not be on future ballots. Bronson Arroyo got one. R.A. Dickey also got one. John Lackey, Mike Napoli, and Houston Street all got a single vote. Um, that's 0.3% if you're playing along at home. Um, they That didn't cut it. And then here's some people that didn't get a single vote. Matt Cain, Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, Orioles legend J.J. Hardy, Johnny Peralta, Jared Weaver, and, and Jason Worth. Orioles minor league legend Jason Worth. Um, <laughs> these guys will not be on the ballot anymore. I just think for those guys, it's just nice to be like on it. You know what I mean? Like, I think if you ask like JJ or whoever, it's just like, did you think you were getting in? No, but like, it's just a nice experience to have your name appear on there. Oh, oh, it's an honor. And it's, he threw out R.A. Dickey, by the way, you know, just completely transforming himself and becoming this, this ace in the most unconventional way possible. And, you know, creating this, you know, later in his career, when he won the Cy Young, he was... All-star Cy Young, 37 years old, 2012. And then he won a gold glove the, the following year. You know, like, shout out. I mean, hey, knuckleball pitchers, we love them. I don't like facing them. So shout out Mickey Janis. Mickey uh, Janis. Close friend, yeah. He knows I hate the pod. <laughs> he is a guest of the pod. and But it just goes to show, like, it is cool. I think even though it's sad to see them go off the list, to your point, to be – considered and for fans to get it's a you get nostalgic like just right now like you, you think back to some of the great memories and jj hardy still to me is one of the best shortstops i ever watched he i talked about a guy if you want to look at going to play the position the right way not flashy making every play and being that good go watch jj hardy please he is just the example this is a jj hardy this is a jj hardy uh uh endorsement forever yes yes hall of famer in our minds doesn't matter what Absolutely. bbwaa people say about that i would have voted for him he would have gotten and, one two from us and you're not going to say that he was well actually i'm going to say it he was a huge part of bringing this kind of core together especially defensively for the orioles during that, that time it was one of the best free agent acquisitions in the history of the orioles franchise i'm done now justin i'm sorry I, yeah, didn't they trade for him though? I thought they signed him. I think I think they traded like no, no, they didn't. Are you sure? I am pretty sure that they signed him. Now you're gonna make me go on spot track or whatever to look this up. Let's see. Let's see. He was traded by the twins with Brendan Harris to the Orioles for Brett Jacobson and Delmarva Schwarber's legend Jim Hoey. Oh, he got traded, then he signed. Yes. Um, well, oh, he's a free agent that next year. Then he signed a deal. Then he signed a three-year deal. I am wrong. I am mistaken. Best. I, I didn't want to be one that of the guy. best. It's okay. I, I I love being wrong. It feels good. I'll re I'll retract my statement. He is one of the best acquisitions that the Orioles have have gotten in the history of their franchise. When you're going to look back at it, he made that much of an impact, and he didn't get to me enough credit. Is that better? Yeah, that was a, that was a time when the Orioles weren't like a premier free agent destination. So like, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like if we're gonna get guys, we're gonna have to trade them here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, and, and again, that's why I'm saying. But but his presence changed yep. uh, changed what what the Orioles were doing in Baltimore, and uh, 
got there's only during his time playing not too many were better than jj at the position so i retract my statement my name's ryan ripkin and i was wrong about how he got acquired by the orioles i take no pleasure in bringing that fact to this. it's okay and i endorsed that i was wrong there but don't get used to it (laughs) ping pong legend jj hardy too (laughs) um so uh that was that was kind of our hall of fame wrap up uh here's a here's an under the radar story that's going to impact baseball for 2023 and I haven't heard a single soul talk about it. Uh, it's the fact that baseball has balanced their schedule for 2023. Like you talked about the rule changes, the bigger bases, you know, all this other stuff that's coming to baseball for this next year. They just sl- snuck this one in there too. It's uh, for the first time since interleague play arrived in 1997, the schedule will be balanced. Every team is going to play the other 29 teams at least once a year and visit each city at least once every other year. So if you're an Orioles fan and you're wondering when the NL West is going to come to town, I always thought it was cool when like the Dodgers would show up. I'm like, damn, you never, you never get to see the Dodgers. Um, but they're coming now, probably. Actually, I don't, don't fact check me on that. But you get the point. Uh, so instead of playing, uh oh, are the Dodgers coming to Baltimore this year? No, just continue on. TBD. Uh, instead of playing your division 19 times a year, which for so many years, if you're like. If you're the Orioles, again, we're just going to keep using them as the example. You just have to have the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Jays, and the Rays come and just just whoop up on you uh, 19 times every single year. I think there was a year that like, Tampa got us like almost like, – they maybe, maybe went 18-1 and one, or maybe they took the entire – I don't think we won a single game against Tampa one year, and that's how Tampa got in the playoffs. So no more of that. It's 13 times every single year. Um, but I just – I love this. If you're an AL East fan, you're, you're like, stop, just – chill out with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Let's have some different teams come in. I love this. Yeah. You know what? I, to your point, I thought that initially when the news came out, I was like, Oh, that's great. And then it just disappeared. Just poof yes. gone. And, and then now the season's about to start and you're going like, wait a minute. Cause everyone's like, man, the AL East is so loaded, which it is. You go, well, wait a minute now. Oh, they're not playing each other as much weird. And then, Looking at the schedule, I, I you know, oh, you, you were right. So fact-checking you, the Dodgers are coming to Baltimore um, this season. They are coming in July. Shout out you. You are right. Get your, get your tickets now. Yeah, get your tickets now. You're right. I'm wrong. Um, don't get used to any any of that, anybody. But you're right. It, it's an exciting thing because the, the, the drama that people want to make the arguments about, you know, trying to have a fair schedule. And last year at one point it was saying that, you know, there's an example in the AL East that not four of those five teams had a legit chance at the playoffs at one point. And, and you look at the AL Central, that was really struggling. Now, obviously, the Guardians picked it up, and there was there was that. But also from the fan experience, isn't this what you want, Justin? Don't you want to see players that say it's the Padres, say it's um, the Dodgers, say teams that you know you're not going to see? Like, isn't that the ultimate goal for entertainment is to – bring teams from out of market to a place that you can enjoy and watch. Absolutely. It's, it's the whole, like we need to bring Shohei Otani to more places than like, you know, like bring him. I'm sure Toronto would love to see Shohei Otani. I'm sure like, or, oh, yeah. you know, or like, a, like Miami or just like there's places and there's cities that people have people that want to see these stars from across the country. But it's just like, yeah, for so many years, you would just only get to see the people in the division. And I went and looked it up in 2021 the Orioles were one win, 18 losses against Tampa. Pretty good. And that's that's a lot of the reason why they made the playoffs that year. Um, those 18 wins. So yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be so great for that. Um, like the Phillies went 16 and three against the Nationals in 2022. 
the Mets, uh, they beat up on the Nats and Marlins to the tune of 27 wins in, out of 38. So it's like, if you're a bad team, you're like, oh, thank God, no, no, more, of these, no more of these ass whoopings, please. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be more fair. It's going to be more balanced. Like, I'm so excited for the season to start. And you're right also for, you know, seeing some West Coast teams come East. You know, I was, I was thinking initially when it first came out, I was going, oh, man, the rivalries aren't going to matter as much. You know, because you're dropping games. And when I thought about it, then I, I'm flipping the switch on it where I'm going, it actually might even make them even more impactful because there's only X amount of times that you're playing your division to make up ground, especially in, in each division. So think about it. When you had, uh, when you're facing each team, the how this format's been in the past, you always knew when it's circling on the calendar, you'd go, well, hey, it's a divisional game or if the team's in front of you, these this is the series that we can make up some games. And yeah, that, that that now holds true, but now it's even more magnified that you have to win those games yeah. even more. It's not so well, well, we'll have another chance at them. It's like, well, no, you got to take your chance. You got to be ready to play them now because it's limited. So I'm yeah. that that part to me, I think, is going to make the the division races really exciting. And I think that's, that's what point. you want as well. So bring it, bring the players around the country and to Canada and let's see some really great finishes, hopefully, in the uh, at the end of the season in, in the division and wild cards. That's such a great point. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. When there's only 13 games you have to play to make up some ground late in the year, well, you, you better make them count because you don't have 19 of them anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be so much fun to watch. Dodgers, Dodgers, Padres, you know, can you see that tension? Giants throw them in the mix, and you're talking about Boston, New York. They already don't like each other. And imagine them just duking it out where maybe they're both in the hunt. And it just, it just I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. Um, I can't, I, I just want baseball to be back. It's close. We're close. Yeah. Right in January, pretty soon. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll start seeing those big trucks loaded up with duffel bags with bats sticking out of them and the mascot putting the, the last touch on the closing the door. It's, we're, we're like, <laughs> we're almost there. Um, but uh, another, here's a, Here's a shocker. I found an Orioles story I wanted to talk on, talk about really quickly. Uh, Mike Elias went on uh, 105.7 The Fan, and he said that he still hopes to add another starting pitcher to this Orioles rotation. And I think just kind of the general theme from the, the Birdland faithful out there is just like we haven't done enough, and we've talked about this, where it's like they have they have made some moves like Adam Frazier and James McCann and Michael Givens. Like, they're good, you know, but there's they, they still were needing that big splash, that – that na- that marquee name that they can say, hey, we were good in 2022. We're gonna be better in 23. Here's a guy for you. So it's just I'm, I'm wondering what I'm wondering what the temperature is out there um, from all the first time, long time callers that were probably chiming into 105.7 as we speak about just like the direction of the Orioles. Like they're gonna have the 29th uh, payroll in baseball this upcoming year. It's only gonna be 64.9 mil. Um, I don't know. Can can you kind of speak to what Mike said, he wants to add another pitcher. Do you think that's going to happen? There's not a lot left. You know, I, I, I'm sticking with kind of what I've said all along is that he, he looks at the value. He looks at what's there and what can fit the mold of the team. And I truly believe he was looking at the value during this free agency and they were targeting guys wanting to go after certain guys. Is he going to disclose all of that? Absolutely not. But just from from what I've experienced and seen, he, he does his homework. He he is very 
analytical and methodical about it, what he wants to do. So I believe him that they're looking. But once again, you know, depends on what how what fans' expectations of what that looks like. And his expectation is I could get a guy that's a very good value, that's a veteran that can help. And maybe down the road it's a it's a a a big name pitcher. That's the thing for me is I'm not expecting a big name pitcher right now. And keep in mind, I think it's going to be interesting. That's why you want to give yourself flexibility with some of these young arms. And we'll get into some some breakout candidates yeah. later on throughout MLB. But that's where I took it with Elias. But I think at least for Orioles fans, just want to, to tell you they he they are trying to make the right decisions. And they are looking to make the ball club better. It's just—it's another thing that I found. Uh, I don't want to say interesting because I keep—I think that's one of my most overused buzzwords. But intriguing. They haven't given out a long-term deal over a year. All their deals this offseason been one year, one year, one year. So uh, I guess that's that payroll flexibility. I don't know. It's different in football because, like, I'm a Colts fan, and it's like the the general manager for so long didn't like sign free agents because he's like, well, we have to take care of our own. We have to give these guys like Quentin Nelson a, a big extension or, or Shaq Leonard. Like all these guys are going to need to get paid and we're going to be the ones to do it. It's different with the Orioles because they're like the arbitration. is just a whole different ball game, but it's just like, I don't know, man. Can you spend a little bit on free agents? You're like, yeah. I think we're getting outspent by Tampa. <laughs> yeah, well, and I will say this. I, I, I think that everyone's perception and it's with with every game plan. I don't think that the Orioles were were ready to be in this position. Not that that they didn't have the talent to, but just you needed to see it happen. And then last year was the unexpected year that yeah. you thought that that realistically, if we're being honest, you thought that was going to be this year that the team was going to make this leap. And they just exceeded all expectations last year. And now that there are these high expectations that the team's ready to go. And sure, could the team go and compete for a playoff spot? Absolutely. But then you got to keep in mind this team in the game plan, it might be another year before they're they're going to kick into another gear. And that's going to go with a lot of these young players that come about. And then that's where this whole cycle goes. And then once that 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 uh, uh, tunnel or that pathway opens and now you have that that uh, time front or time frame of the team being good, then anything can happen. But right now. The, the door is, is, is opened, but it's not, we're not through it yet. So I think people seem to be patient with that. Okay. I like that. I like that message that, you know, all the people out there in, in Birdland, it's just like, okay. But it is, it's a lot of fun to get angry about it though. I will say. Oh, it, like, I mean, isn't, isn't that a part of it? Isn't that part of just to, to show, wear your emotions on your sleeve Yes. for everything that's good and bad? Yes. It is very fun to complain. <laughs> I, that's, it's not even just about baseball, just about anything. It's so much fun to complain. Um, but we're gonna try to do less of that. We're gonna try to be, you know, more rational. Wait till we get to the draft. Wait till we get to the draft and he takes somebody under slot, though. Then I will start going on a tirade again. But that's oh, a goodness. that's a different story. That's June. We have a lot of time between now and then. Um, but put that put that in the tickler file. I will be mad when they go under slot again. Um, anywho, uh <laughs> mark that down. Write that write that down. So write down that you're gonna have a tirade in June. And yes. then also Write down for all those for trivia of the two groups. Go back and listen, or maybe Justin will repeat it at some point of this episode. The two groups of the Hall of Fame that help with voting because I already forgot their names. But today's game, today's game era committee and the contemporary baseball era players committee. I'm not even going to repeat that. Not going to repeat that because I still can't remember that. Write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Uh, Write that down. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, a couple last things before we get to our interview for this week. Uh, our feel-good story of the week is brought to you by the original, the sponsor of the Breaking Bats podcast. It is the Original Fudge Kitchen. Fudge makes you feel good, and uh, this feel-good story is brought to you by them. Uh, they are a staple of the Jersey Shore. They have six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. They make all their fudge and store guaranteed a delicious products. So stop by, let them know that Not For Long Media sent you. Check them out online if you want to have it shipped anywhere across the country, fudgekitchens with an S.com. So I saw this, uh, I think Aaron Judge went on the Tonight Show, um, and he talked about you know his his coming back to New York, the, you know, the triumphant return from free agency. Um, and he told a story about his teammate, Anthony Rizzo, kind of, I don't know if you want to say helped sway his decision or maybe assisted him in making that decision, but um, he said that Rizzo just was texting and calling him every day. And then the the real kicker, and for all the dog lovers out there, I'm sure they'll love this, was uh, Rizzo was sending Judge pictures of – so Rizzo and Judge's dogs are friends. And so they would send uh, – Rizzo would send photos of their, their dogs walking around the outfield at Yankee Stadium um, and just, you know, maybe helping say, hey, man, don't leave this. Like, my, my dog my dog and your dog are BFFs, so keep that in mind when you're making that decision with the money in the offseason. So, um, yeah. I thought that, that that makes you feel good and warm inside that for all the dog lovers, it's like a dog and Anthony Rizzo help bring judge home. You can't bring, you can't put a price on, on your dog's happiness. And so Rizzo, you sure 350 plus million dollars is great, but is your dog happy? And, and the question Mm -hmm. is he probably wouldn't have been happy outside of New York, you know? So, but it's, it's just awesome, right? It's awesome that, we, we the dogs become your family pets become your family and it's just also greater at, at the at the highest level in one of the most competitive places in the world one of the tactics and and even if it's a joke is hey my your dog's gonna be lonely think about him think about him and and who knows if the, <laughs> the yankees go on to win a world series the dogs could be the one that the yankees fans can thank they better get a ring or something they have to have to Gyms, puppy rings or whatever however yes. i gotta think of a better term but yeah give, give it to them they, they, they deserve it yes absolutely uh so our last thing for this week um breakout candidates 2023 i love doing this uh i went around i looked i, gra- I grabbed a couple of them that i think are really going to come on strong in 2023 uh, i'm going to start with one of my favorite players and i've talked to brian about this uh, a lot is because corbin carroll is my first one for the arizona diamondbacks he's their center fielder Corbin Carroll just makes every guy out there because he's 5'10, 165. And if you've ever watched, like, looked at a picture of him, like the guy doesn't, no offense, but he doesn't really have like giant arms. So it's just the, the sleeves of his jersey like swallow his biceps. And I know that feeling all too well because it's me every time I put on a jersey too. But I just, I don't know, it makes guys like me feel better about ourselves. So Corbin Carroll, first breakout candidate, also led baseball in sprint speed, fast as hell. Um, I can't wait to see a full season of Corbin Carroll. I'm going to watch more Diamondbacks games now. Oh yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, he's again. That's the, isn't that the awesome thing about baseball too? You can be any size, shape, height, weight, and you can have an impact and, and a great impact. And, and obviously, he's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of people excited for the Diamondbacks, or he's one of the reasons why they are excited. So I'm excited with that. But I'm going to flip and give you a name also because they're in the same discussion. As far as and to me, it's not a sleeper, but or a breakout because I think it's it's going to happen. That's Gunnar Henderson with the Orioles, and especially the scene around him. But we talked about this, Justin. Both both players, highly rated, highly touted, can can bring a lot to the team. So Gunnar, to me, 
is the type of guy where he has all the intangibles, but he also just doesn't have a ceiling. And it's, it's, it's really the, you know, the, it's going to use a Michael Jordan reference, which is the opposite. The ceiling is the roof. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> Gunnar Henderson doesn't have a ceiling. And, and I think that's the exciting part with his game is that he can hit from power. He can run, he can for, for average. And I think he has the ability to be a very good defensive player and he has a rocket for an arm. There's so many things to be excited. And I truly am a believer that he is going to be a MVP in the next five years. But for this season, Gunner learns quickly, and I think that he is my favorite to be the rookie of the year this year in Major League Baseball. Ooh, I like that a lot. F- within five years, yeah, I mean, I, he has that level of talent, man. I, you know, I you watch him fly around the bases; like he's just he he's slick. Everything he does just like makes it look easy, uh, and he's got a, a sweet head of hair too. So, um, easy, easy guy for the for Birdland to root for. Gunner. And you know, it's it's interesting with both Carroll and, and Gunner. Both are extremely young. They're only, you know, 21, I believe, 21, two years old. So it's in a really exciting time for both of them. And we're, we have a chance possibly to see two players that could be staples and, and possibly, you know, building blocks or, or cornerstones for these franchises moving forward. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys one. Um, and this kind of goes with our guest this week. It's uh it's Texas Rangers, third baseman, Josh Young. Um, he is the 36 overall uh, prospect on MLB pipelines, top 100. Um, he like everything, like, first of all, the Rangers have needed a good third baseman for a while, ever since Beltre left, but, uh, his first at bat was a home run. Not too bad. Uh, and his, and his career minor league slash line is just outrageous. He's a career 311, 381, 538 slash line in the minors. So, um, this guy, I can't wait to see like a full year from him because I've watched him tear it up in the minors. He was a very high draft pick. He was the eighth overall pick in 19. Um, so, yeah, give me give me Josh Young. Maybe a fantasy baseball sleeper, too. We'll have to start thinking about that, too, because that's coming up. Um, hey, and, that, and that's what matters to a lot of people. And to the point of also just the success of the Rangers, and he could be a big part. you already seen the pieces that they have. Imagine if your breakout is – your breakout prediction comes true. This Rangers team, who already is building some momentum – could be a force out there in the AL West that maybe teams aren't talking about enough. So I like that one. I think it's great. I'm going to jump back to my list now and it's going to go. This team was in the trade or in the news recently with the trade, the Marlins. I'm going to go with Edward Cabrera. Okay. And Edward Cabrera, for those that don't know, super talented pitcher. He's with the Marlins. He debuted in 20, I believe it was 2021 only 24 years old last game or last season at 14 games had a three era but here's the thing for me it was almost 100 he has great stuff but he hasn't put it all together yet and yet you can look at it and go well he had a three era when you face him you see him in person you can see parts of his game that are still not fully there but i'll, t- I'll tell you what and, and i and double down on this with, with the 308 guys if he can get it together and put everything together, the Marlins are going to have possibly the next next best duo coming out in Major League Baseball. So I expect him to make a make a jump this year, and which is going to give Marlins fans something to be really excited about. And there's also, by the way, I was seeing all these rumors about well, he was on the market for 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 trades, and then the GM for the Marlins came out and said he's not moving; he's untouchable. 
And when you're hearing that, you're realizing because teams want him and they see that he has so much talent to provide. Circle that name right now. I think Cabrera is due for a big year. I like that. The Marlins just always feel like they can develop pitching or like they can acquire pitching and just like turn them into like absolute studs. So yeah, that's, that's a thousand percent. Something I'm going to keep an eye on this upcoming season. I have another one. He's a pitcher. Uh, He's a national shocker. Uh, It's Cade Cavalli. So he's the 55th overall prospect in the MLB pipelines, top 100. This is a guy that was drafted in 2020. Yeah. First round in 20 in the 2020 MLB draft. And then in 2021, he went from high A to triple A. He bumped all the way up to the top level of the minors within one season. Um, I went, I looked at like his little like bio and it's like, he, he says he struggles with his ability to fill up the strike zone, especially against upper level like competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he's got like a rocket fastball, can touch triple digits. The Nationals are going to need some starting pitching because you don't know what's going to happen with Strasburg this year. Um, but I mean, Kate Cavalli has to be a breakout candidate though. Oh, I agree. And this is a part of this new Nationals look. You know, the, the, the names of the Strasburgs, even Scherzer, then, you know, the Soto, the Harper, they're looking for someone or some players to now take over and be the new faces. And, and Kate has that ability. To your point, though, he's got to be able to fill up the strike zone and be consistent around there. But man, does he have a, he has a flamethrower of a fastball? That thing is, that thing has life, that thing is heavy. And he has the intangibles. He moved quickly through the minors, but to your point, he has the stuff. He has the ability to, and boy, wouldn't that be great for Nationals fans to see another pitcher with the system come up there and and make an impact. He's got a good chance. I like your pick. And I'm going to raise you my last one, and I'm going to raise the bar a little bit for my expectations because he's been – to me, he's already out in the breakout, but I'm breaking out to a point where he's going to be a Cy Young candidate, and that is – Tristan McKenzie on the Guardians. And for those that don't know, Tristan McKenzie is a, a very long, lean. It feels like I remember facing him his when he when he re- releases the ball, felt like his arm is just about to drop it off to you and it's right on you. That's that's just what it felt like. He's got so much zip. But here's the thing. Last year he had a 296 ERA in a surprising year for the Guardians and he but you're going to say well he had 11 losses and yeah, you know, that is what it is. But a 296 ERA almost got the 200 innings and struck out 190. To me, he's right on the cusp of being a player that can take that next step to being one of the top 10 to five pitchers in the AL. So I'm going to go with him. I believe that he is going to be, and especially for the Guardians' uh, success this season, he makes that jump. The Guardians are going to be right in it to make another playoff push. Love that. Yeah, he was money in the playoffs. I mean, that guy. So uh, good. Love love that. Love that pick so much. You're right. You know, three ERA, and people might look at that, or two nice six, be like, hey, well, he's already kind of broken out. But it's like, yeah, what if he can get that down to, like, the low twos? And then he can, you know, take those 11 losses and flip some of those to wins. Like, that's going to be a Cy Young, uh, perennial Cy Young candidate. Well, um, and that's, yeah, that's the thing is that people look at it and go, well, you're telling me he's already pretty good, but the thing is what you need on a team that's really trying to take the next step, you need that dominant ace. And you already have, don't get me wrong, the Guardians have had their fair share of some great some great ace-like pitchers. But now you're looking at a guy that's on the cusp, and you saw what Dylan Cease did this past year with the White Sox. To me, McKenzie is right around there to put that together. And I'm excited. I think, and we're talking about fantasy baseball, I think he's going to have a great year. 
so good. Mark um, it down. Yes, write that down. Um, so that was our breakout, breakout candidates for 2023. We have our interview for this week. It is with Silver Slugger Award winner, Nathaniel Lowe, your first baseman for the Texas Rangers. Uh, we taped this one last week. It was so much fun. It, just listening to Nathaniel break down, just like, you know, going from the Rays where he talked about his struggles to, you know, latching on with Texas and just really being given an opportunity to go out there and play every day. Um, I think, you know, I, I think he said that was like one of the most valuable things in his career was just like, hey, man, just go out there and do it every day. So um, I know I enjoyed it. I know you did as well. Uh, how much fun was that? Oh, it, it, honestly, he is a, a great interview and also just a great guy to get to know and talk. And I think for all for all people that are just interested in baseball, interested in just kind of life discussions, he's got a ton of them. And, and he's a guy you need to watch in the Rangers. We enjoyed it. I think that everyone listening is going to really enjoy hearing hearing all the great things we had to discuss with him. Absolutely. Card-carrying members of the Nathaniel Lowe fan club, Ryan and I are. So <laughs> um, it's so much fun. So, But before we get to our interview for this week, we have two last quick words. Wanted to give a shout out to our apparel sponsor of this podcast, Actions Over Words. They are our apparel brand with mission of encouraging people to use their actions instead of their words. They donate $5 for every sale they make to charities around the world. Go to actionsoverwordsapparel.com and use N4L promo code for 10% off. And finally, go to the Not For Law Media family of podcasts. We have tons of great content for you to check out. The Colin Thompson Show is firing on all cylinders with football content. Uh, we also have Two Girls, One League, and Odd G's with Harry Mays and Jason Martinez. All right, with that all being said, let's send it over to our interview with Texas Rangers first baseman and 2022 Silver Slugger Award winner, Nathaniel Lowe. Enjoy. All right, joining us this week on Breaking Bats, we have Texas Rangers first baseman, Nathaniel Lowe. He's a two-time recurring guest, friend of the pod, also 2022 Silver Slugger Award winner. That's uh, it's not too shabby. So uh, we're very glad that you're back on here, Nathaniel. It's so great to see you again. Uh, how is everything? How has your offseason been? Tell us all about it. That's nice, man. Yeah. First off, thanks for having me back. But um, yeah, things are good over here. Uh, been back and forth between Texas and Orlando, kind of, you know, seeing a bunch of people going back and forth, um, training at the stadium a little bit, training with my group here. And uh, yeah, we're definitely ready to get rolling in the home stretch now. And it's exciting. The spring training is so close and yeah, exciting for the Texas Rangers as a whole. So, so much so. We have, we have a lot to talk about. So much has happened since we last had you on in June. Um, but, I mean, I want to start with, like, the, the incredible 2022 you had. I mean, when we had you on, you were you were lighting it up. But you, you really turned it on there in the second half of last year. Uh, but just, like, overall, you know, you finished the year hitting over 300. You had nine more home runs than the year before. Like, what can you, like, attribute your increase in production to if you had to look back at it all? Um, you know, each year definitely has its different struggles. Um and I went through some struggles pretty early and it became very apparent that I need to do more damage with better pitches to hit. So I would say that coming down the stretch right there in the middle. And then at the end, I, I did a lot better job of just hitting pitches to hit instead of worrying about what my swing looked like or how my mechanics were working or things of this sort. And, you know, thankfully it paid off a lot. No doubt. It's, you know, after 2021, did you like challenge yourself to be better in any particular areas or like, did you have personal goals going into the last season? Um, I, I knew I needed to slug um, as far as like just keeping in line with the most, the majority of productive first baseman, right? You're going to look at power numbers and, and homers and RBIs and doubles are definitely something that are 
you know, right in the middle of where you want to be. So, you know, to be able to kind of have some success and be able to really do a lot more damage instead of just flaring singles. And then at times, you know, take what the game gives. And if I have to, you know, hit a knuckle buster somewhere through the infield, hopefully it'll get through, you know, but thankfully I was able to get uh, a lot of pitches to handle right there in that stretch in August and do a lot of damage. It's, it was incredible. Like, I don't know if you ever like nerd out on like some of these high like fan graphs or like some of these baseball like analytics like outlets, but like I read this big fan graphs workup about your 2021 versus your 2022. They broke it all down. Like there's there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about and know that like or ask like if they were like conscious things. Like your numbers against sliders in 2021 versus 22. Like in 22, you were one of the top three hitters in baseball in, in terms of sliders, and 11 of your 27 bombs were sliders. Like was that something that like came as a result of like added work or like what, how did that all kind of shape out? Um, let's see it. Well, there's probably another piece to it on their side too, that a well-executed slider is probably the best pitch in baseball, right? Because it's going to come in hard. It's going to have some depth to it. And you can really make it start in a whole lot of places where your eyes may not tell you, okay, this is going to be a ball because as you know, a lot of hitters will tell you like, yeah, the heater in and the slider down and then look really similar. And one of them hits you in the back foot and the other one comes back over the middle of the plate. So if you're going to roll the dice and, and, you know, swing at that pitch, then, you know, when you, when you don't get the result you want and you wind up swinging over three or four sliders in a game, then yeah, keep throwing them. But when they start in the right spot, they're already spinning right and they're coming in harder and all you have to do is hit it. So yeah, I don't know. There was never, there was never an adjustment where I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna dominate sliders. But it just kind of happened to be what the game called for in that stretch, and I was able to capitalize. No doubt. And like another point that you, yeah, Ryan, do you want to jump in? No, I was just saying you for sure did. You, you keep going. I got a couple thoughts brewing, but you you finish off with you, when you started, Justin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say like. And also in that piece that I read, they, they talked about, and you might even touch on this in your answer a couple answers ago, but it was like, you sacrifice some of your plate discipline, plate discipline for what they call it responsible aggression in the strike zone. Uh, is that a fair way to assess your, your approach at the plate going from 21 to 22? So, yeah. Okay. So one of our beat writers actually kind of took that quote and ran with it. And then it got to our on-field reporter. And because I, I, knew that I needed to be a little bit better, actually a lot better with pitches in the heart of the plate. And I called it being responsibly aggressive, right? Because you have to be not afraid to swing and miss, right? You have to be not afraid to, yeah, you get the curveball that sometimes it looks like a fastball and maybe you're coming unglued to do something. Yeah. But you have to be aggressive responsibly. So why would I shift my vision to a part of the plate? That's not my strong suit, right? I need to get better at what I'm good at already and incrementally increase in what I need to improve on. So, yeah, I think I just finally got more comfortable with realizing that the right pitches and the right counts are where you're going to do your damage. And when you're doing damage, your A swing is going to show up. So why would I try and create an A swing to cover bad pitches to hit? It just doesn't make sense. Did that cover the bases for you, Justin? Yeah, yeah. No, did, did you want to hop in? I, I would love to hop in. Hold on a second here. So 
Yeah, so just talking about it and looking at it for you, and it's kind of the evolution and understanding, right? Of you know, you go through so much time to get to the major leagues and to get up there, and then you're going to have this transition period. One, you have to have so much success in the minor leagues, or at least to the point where they feel comfortable for you to take the jump. Then you get up there, and then you're trying to figure out another level, right? And then you saw it all come to fruition, obviously, last year. Did you ever feel? You know, prior to then, because the last two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, you played, you know, I think it was 157 in both the last two seasons. Does that sound about right? Like you were in there. Yeah, that's exactly right. So like, which that, as we know, as a hitter, that is the, the, the thing you want. You want to be in there as much as possible. Having said that, did you feel mindset wise? Was that something when you got to the big leagues that that was something you were trying to adjust to of? How do I get up here and how do I stick? I know you mentioned hitting for power, but. Uh, um, yes, that was definitely something that I struggled with personally because, you know, coming up in Tampa's organization and yep. then being subject to the system there offensively, you know, you're not going to play every day. And it's crazy going from being the man on your high school, college, lower level, minor league team, then you start to realize, okay, maybe I can have some success in this game and you get to the upper levels and then all of a sudden you get to the major leagues and then you play three days a week. Well, guess what? In the East, those right-handed pitchers that you face three days a week are Garrett Cole, Jameson Tayon, and you name it, another Yankee right-hander. So you get to miss the lefties. You don't play with Rich Hill in Boston and then a couple more days off and the next thing you know you're jumping back in there for somebody another right-handed fireballer and it doesn't matter who you're playing at that point because it's been three days since you started so yeah it was definitely an issue and something that i let bleed into my game because i thought that i could get two hits and one at bat and make my case to stay in the lineup which is something that a lot of players really struggle to do and something that I struggled to do, but you know, I, I owe so many thank yous to, even though we had to go through a 102 loss season and then a 96 loss season last year, I owe so many thank yous to the organization in Texas for leaving me in the lineup because consistency and a chance is really truly all that you can ever ask for as a player. And they gave that to me. And I, I know I wouldn't be where I am today, like without having to, kind of get my teeth kicked in in Tampa and then have some struggles last year. And then even at the beginning of 22, like there were points where I was like, man, maybe I'm just not a major league baseball player. Like, you know, maybe that's not who I'm supposed to be, but the game has a funny way of kind of giving you a little bit of gratification for some hard work. And for sometimes when it knocks you right back down, but you know, it doesn't feel bad for you at the same time. So as long as you keep going and get that consistent chance, you got to make the most of it, but let the game come to you. I love that. I mean, that's the thing. So Justin, maybe can pin that. Cause the thing that's funny is you're talking about this and this is someone, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll blow smoke up your ass right now. I mean, you just <laughs> balled out last year, right? So you're, you're, you're playing against the best players. And I guess that's the point I wanted to get out was you just had so much tremendous success, but yet you are still having doubts at the highest level of how hard this game is. And I think that's a point where when we're so young, going through the other stages of to get to 
uh, to get to college, to get drafted, to get move up the, the ladder, we feel like we have to be perfect and we feel like it's got to be a certain expectation, but it's kind of the journey, the process that you got to ride with and grind with. Um, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's, so the thing I'll say with Texas, because I know it's been rough um, and it can go two ways with, with teams that are losing. You can look at it as an opportunity and other things. Sometimes the, the, the vibes, the energy, you know, Justin, and I've had this conversation when you're on a team that loses um, it's harder when you're winning. It makes it easier to focus on going out there and trying to get things done. Did you ever have a balance of that? Or did you feel like the spirits in Texas still were high uh, or you were able to obviously find a certain mindset for you to focus on, um, you know, staying in a groove? Mm, um, yeah, you know, that's, that was hard to come compartmentalize, especially the first year um, coming from coming from Tampa. But even before that, you know, we, we won a state championship in my high school team. My Mercer team was, we were pretty good, but I didn't play. So I, I don't know. I wasn't that involved, but my sophomore year, we won the mid Florida conference at my junior college, my junior year, we won the sec, my short season team, I'm pretty sure low A, double A, and triple A went to the playoffs. Um, you know, shout out to the Durham Bulls because they got that factory going on over there Goodness. too. Unbelievable. Um, get called up to the big leagues. And in 2019, I'm, you know, there in September for the clinch party for going to the postseason there. 2020, I was, you know, I didn't play a whole ton, but I was part of a uh regular regular season you can call it that right for a team that wound up in the world series and then all of a sudden the team record takes a nosedive and you kind of have to adjust to how can i be a good teammate but still look out for me because it's tough to it's tough to play winning baseball on your own you know and 102 losses are not one person's fault there's a there's a community of struggle. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it takes a toll on you, you know, but don't like, it's the cliche of you've heard it before. The only two things you can control are your attitude and your effort. So if you can show up with a good attitude somehow and give a hundred percent for the guy next to you, then the game, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed going to reward you, but you'll find more successes. I think. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, Texas and, you know, they've, you know, we, we just mentioned it, like they're a team that's, that's on the come up. They've, you know, had some struggles this last couple of years, but have you still found time to, you know, appreciate the 2022 that you've had despite, and I, you might have even talked like after like the last game of the season with reporters, I'm, I think that's what I was reading where it was like, you know, the team success isn't where we want it to be. And that's, that was your main focus at the time. But, you know, despite all that, were you still able to just look back and like reflect on what was a, a career year? Um, you know, here and there, here and there, but they're definitely like, go, go look at my May split. My May was horrible. And I, going forward, I need to figure out how to avoid a three week skid. Maybe we can find a way to, to squeak out a couple more hits and we turn that three week skid into a week and yeah, it's going to happen. You know, it's never going to turn on the entire time, but if there are ways to minimize damage, then that's definitely something that I feel like I need to learn and something that I need to be better at in the coming seasons. So yeah, part of me is proud of what happened in 2022, but there definitely, I think there's more room for improvement than 
maybe what's met by like the the bigger standard right i don't know if my verbiage there came out right but i don't know i'm trying to say like yes i'm happy with it but yes there's a lot of room to improve any goals or any things you're working on this off season for 2023 man i gotta get my glove figured out (laughs) you know it's not like it's just i made some mistakes this past year and that's you know it's my fault there's definitely times where you know as good as it's going at the plate it feels like it's going the polar opposite in the field and that's part of what i need to do to make myself a a dominant major league player instead of just being a pretty good hitter you know um i gotta run the bases better i have to move better and take care of my body a little bit better um they're just you know some things like that 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 could be some pretty general statements that would just say like if I could sum it all up, I just need to be a better baseball player. That's it. That's an easy, that's an easy sum up. I mean, I think that people get, we get so caught up and it is fantastic. We know it's just to to stay up there in in the bigs. It's no secret for a position player. You got to hit, you know, unless you are an an Uber shortstop uh, that's glove is so ridiculous or you're such a versatile player that can play so many positions. You really got to hit. It just there's no way around that. So you understand. But I think for everyone that people get lost on that is there's so much more to the game than than just being a good hitter. And actually, that reminds me with Tampa. So I always felt like, first off, the, whatever the, the juggernaut that is the Durham Bulls every single year. <laughs> um, but 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 I'll tell you what, Tampa was a team when people would ask me when I said, hey, you know, why look at their numbers stat wise? The stats wouldn't always tell how why Tampa was winning. Yes, pitching was good, but hitting wise, you would you look at uh, Tampa's lineup one through nine last year. There wasn't anything crazy, but they did a lot of other the little things right. So essentially, what you're saying, you're trying to focus on making the little things better to make you an overall, you know, the the, the sum of your parts makes you uh, your ceiling even higher. Yes, I mean, I can think of, I can think of one play in specific where I made a bad read on a ball that bounced off the wall and I got tagged out on the back of my shoulder as I was sliding into home plate. That's like six inches from another run scored. Right. And every run scored is, is such a big deal for the team. Like pitching is so good guys. Runs are so hard to come by. Yeah. We were out of the playoffs pretty early. Yeah. That's how it went. But there's still things that, you know, can make yourself valuable and can like, push your other teammates to have a higher standard because it, you know, it takes like Tampa, Tampa takes 30 ish pitchers or whatever it is on the option train or the guys that get hurt or the guys that fill in and make spot starts and the closer that's throwing the fourth inning one night and then opening the next night. Like it takes a big collective effort of a high standard to win at the major league level. So yeah, there are things that I definitely need to improve on and things that I can work with the staff with and work with my teammates with in the next couple of weeks and in spring training to hopefully show a whole lot more success coming this year. You said something really interesting in terms of what you're looking to do for 2023. And you said that was to take care of your body better. Um, from the outside perspective, when you, when you see a player that plays almost 162 games, you know, two years in a row, you might not think that that would be like as top of mind. But and in your case, it sounds like it is. So what what does that look like in terms of things that you could do differently health wise? Because, you know, from my perspective, it seems like you're pretty durable as it is. 
Yeah, but Daryl doesn't tell the whole story of all those pieces of cake and ice cream on the airplane. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm not going to say it's a problem by any means, but just an area that I could get better at. And, you know, this this window of opportunity for us is so finite that why would I not try and get the most out of it, you know? So maybe it's skipping out on a couple extra meals here and there or cutting some sugars or staying away from soda or even something, something so simple. But you know, if that's one step, if I gain one step over the course of a month or a half or 162 games, like maybe that one step turns into another three runs scored and those three runs scored help all kinds of metrics for a player and help the team win. Hey, I'm with it. I don't know. You know, I'm a huge ice cream guy and I did, I did cut some <laughs> right. down myself when you, so first off, what's, what's one of your go-to ice creams? Like if you were like, yep, I'm going to chow down on, like, are you a traditional vanilla chocolate guy? Do you like to get a little bit crazy? What do we got? Man, Seattle has the best soft serve in the league. <laughs> so every the, time, so what's the go-to when you're out there in Seattle? Uh, the soft serve machine in the clubhouse. It's got the, it's in the chocolate clubhouse? swirl. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The vanilla, <laughs> the chocolate. And then I, I'm pretty sure you can, if you do it right, you can put them together in the same cup. They do a pretty good job. I, as as so, a non-baseball player, that's, that just blows my mind that they have. I mean, I, I've seen Moneyball. Do you have to put like, when you go to Oakland, do you have to put like dollar bills and to get, to get like a Coke out of No, that's not true. The clubhouse staff in Oakland is awesome. The clubhouse staff in Oakland is awesome. Those guys take great care of us. <laughs> Just, but so, so no the, the whole like the whole comfort food stuff. I was just curious because I didn't know if you're throwing some sprinkles on there, or throwing some toppings. Like I'm, I'm a pretty plain ice cream guy as far as with no toppings. Um, I was a huge mint chocolate cookies and cream. I used to eat like a gallon at a time. That's probably why I've dropped from nice. 245 to 220. Uh, but to your point, you know, taking care of your body because those little things kind of matter and over a, a, a stage. And when you're seeing now how many players are you're looking at some of the other stars in the league that are, are, you know, longevity, you know, so is that, I know you don't have a, um, you're not going to put a, a timetable on how long you want to play, but I'm assuming you'd want to play as long as you're physically able to. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So in that case, you know, the, I feel like the most cases everyone looks at once you get past 30, it's pretty, it's, once you get past 30 years old, it, there's a difference. So I, it's very interesting. Uh, the only other caveat I'll ask you then is, you know, because we're talking about comfort food when, when things are tough. What do you do when you were going through some tough times or frustrating? What was your outlet? You know, you know, for some guys, it's you got to be outside of your hotel room or, or talking with friends. Maybe it's playing video games. What did you specifically do to help you, you know, maybe take your mind away from the field? Mm. Um, there are a couple hot, like a couple hobbies, a couple things like that, that I would say bought up a lot of my time, but there's definitely like seasons of life. Right. And for some guys, it's for some guys, it's some things. And for some guys, it's others. And I'm like, as a believer, right. I, we're kind of tasked with this idea that, you know, there is a higher being that created everything and we're, called to somehow love other people right mm -hmm. and i go in phases where i kind of stray away from that and i get really selfish and in the season it really becomes all about me but 
as far as physically doing stuff, like I golf a lot. I'm into photography. I have some, some pretty cool hobbies. I'm kind of rediscovering. I can read books, even though uh, it's just kind of, was it something that I was away from for a while? So yeah, I don't know. This winter's been fantastic. I got a great, great group that's uh, pushing me to get better on and off the field. So yeah, it's been it's been a pretty cool winter so far, and, and I'm excited to see excited to see the coping mechanisms during the season and how much healthier they are as I'm growing. We'll put it that way. How's I the, like how's it. the how's the golf game going? Uh, when we Dude, had Josh, it's trending. That... <laughs> it's trending in the right direction. I like it. Do you still go with your brother when you can? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I, I guess uh, you guys just reposted a clip about how he misses being my golf partner and all that other stuff. But with yep. this, you know, with the the recent trend, I'm pretty sure he's ready for a break for me on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I have some questions coming up later about Josh, so we'll have to, a little teaser of what's to come there. But uh, no, sure. that, that's great. It was what uh, it, it was so much fun having you on and then having him on just to hear the different perspectives of of the brothers low there. So uh, we'll uh, definitely definitely have to ask you some more about that. But um, going back to sure. baseball though, uh, this next season for the Rangers, it's gonna be a fun one because a lot's changed this off season, including a new manager and Bruce Bochy. So I, I'm yep. sure you're like Ryan and I, where it's like we were just big fans of like the early 2010 San Francisco Giants teams. How excited are you to have the chance, the opportunity to like play for Bruce Bochy now? And Bochy is awesome. I, I met him a handful of times already. And actually when I was um, like up in your neighborhood playing in the Ripken league, I actually played for a guy who was like really good friends with Bruce Bochy. Um, his name is Bruce Hall. So if Bruce Hall's listening, Hey, hope you're doing great. Um, and he actually crazy story had told our college summer team, like, Hey, Bochy and I are, good friends, whatever. Um, we're going to go to the game tonight as a team on an off night and he's going to get thrown out. We're going to go to dinner. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And sure enough, Boach is arguing, arguing balls and strikes. I think in like the fourth gets run and our Bruce stands up and makes his exit and they went to dinner that night. So yeah, you know, um, if Boach is going to step, step up and, <laughs> really get on umpires for us and, you know, stand up when he needs to and, and, you know, be the backbone that we need, then yeah, that's exciting. And he's won, or at least the groups that he's been a part of has won a lot. So it's definitely exciting to see, you know, the organization's commitment to bringing winners in because that's a, that's a culture thing. Winning is a culture thing. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more on that. I think it's it's an exciting time, and especially now, you know, with Bochy coming in, some of the 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 offseason moves. I think last year was kind of the feeling that that, that Texas was going to make that jump. You know, now you add a couple more pieces. Obviously, you know, a, a giant piece. Um, you know, where where do you guys feel on the sense now, especially with some things changing in Houston? You know, and Houston's the kind of team, and Seattle's on the upcoming. But everyone thought the Rangers were going to be that team, you know. And, and again, this could be you to to to, to uh, pump up the Rangers here. But why do you think the Rangers can help make that step to being a postseason team for 2023? Um, I mean, you saw the free agent side so far. You know, pretty good uh, on paper. <laughs> on paper, they're pretty good. <laughs> um. But yeah, man, you know, we like 
we have a gold mine in Dallas. We really do. It's um, the stadium's incredible. It's such a great sports town. There's so many places around the DFW that are so attractive to all kinds of players, right? Whether you're an option player, an ARB player, signing as a free agent, there's something that could cater to what you want to do, right? I mean, we've got so many guys that come in and, and their families are so happy. Like, I don't know if you guys remember Ian Kennedy, but he's 14 yep. years deep in the major leagues with a whole army of kids. And he found an RV park that he could park his RV in. And then, you know, Seeger and his wife are in the category, uh, you know, in the category that they're in as far as payroll. And they live in a really nice neighborhood that's great to raise a family in. And, Simeon's right down the road from him with their three boys in a family. And Evaldi was when he came through a couple of weeks ago, he had his kids with him. So, you know, there's just so many things outside of the park that make Texas so attractive to right the right people. And not to mention, you know, we're right across the street from AT&T Stadium. So the Dallas Cowboys are right there. Um, our marketing department is tight with the hockey and basketball team. So we're in American Airlines Arena if we want to go down there, you know, like it's a lot of things that are really attractive to a lot of different players and happy players perform better. And Texas is a place where you can thrive and be happy. I really do think that. So what about if you're not playing anymore? Like, could are you endorsing we all move to the Dallas? Dude, I, mean, I might I might be sold now. My, my buddy, my buddy, uh um was obsessed with dallas and i'm like oh i heard it's great but now like you make me want to just buy a one-way ticket right now <laughs> i'm telling you man and don't get me started on golf courses it's been it, this winter has been a treat um it, as i started to get more connected in the community over the summer and and some people within our organizations helped me make some make some connections outside and spend the all-star break at three different country clubs in three days and then have some amazing hosts along the way. And then I've been so fortunate to meet the right people coming down the stretch of the season that said, Hey, you know, come out and let's golf. We're going to go to this country club. We're going to go to that country club and places that I would have never thought. And I would have never thought that I'd be getting access to, but yeah, they welcomed me with open arms and even the staff, when I get there, Hey, Mr. Lowe, nice to see you, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's a treatment that they give everybody, but at least when you walk in, you feel cool for the time being. So it's been a blessing, man. These, these people in this community, like really truly want the best for us. And when I was able to have a little bit of success, they, they liked it even more. So yeah, it's, it's exciting for the future. You mentioned that other players have like their own little piece of like the Dallas Fort Worth area carved out. What, what is your Dallas Fort Worth area? Like, what is that? What does that look like for you? What, what, what kind of things are you doing? What do you like to do around town? Have fun? Like what, what's your DFW experience? Um, so I live incredibly close to our exit to the airport. Like there's a, you know, the special service deal that we get to go to on the other side and it's, you know, it's pretty cool. And where I live, I'm, I'm probably less than three miles from a strip with so many restaurants that I haven't even gone to all of them yet. And yeah, it's, it's nice to see like there's shopping and golf and restaurants and the stadium's far enough away that, yeah, if you have a bad night, you're not bringing, you're not bringing work home with you. So I, I just like having options, you know, and feeling like I'm living in a neighborhood, not just staying in a rental for the time being. So that actually worked out really nice. Um, I wound up 
moving around the all-star break and just getting into a place that I would have never thought that I would have wound up in. And apparently there's a lot more hits in that house than the other house. So <laughs> yeah, that was the best part. <laughs> Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's I, I I have a buddy that lives in Denton, I think. It's like oh, yeah. it's the coolest right it's the coolest little piece of like of America ever. It's in, and no state income taxes too, which <laughs> yeah. I think we might have glossed over that in throughout all of this, but pretty sweet. Stay in that yeah, house. There's a, there's a lot of upside. <laughs> Stay where you are. <laughs> yeah. Um we we touched on like the the additions that the Rangers have made, but there's one in particular, Jacob DeGrom. Like the cornerstone obviously of, of this big off season for Texas there. Like what was it like when you found out that he would be your teammate? Dude, uh, we, we actually had inklings um, coming down the stretch there. I, I, like Kevin Pulecki was the inside source. He would swear, dude, DeGrom wants to come to Texas. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. DeGrom wants to come to Texas. No, I promise he does. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like you guys have seen the ads that Steve Cohen's making. You guys have seen the kind of payroll that they're had. Like, there's no way you're going to let one of the arguably the top three right-handed starter of our generation walk. And then he signs and he's a Texas Ranger. It's like, okay, maybe we're doing this thing. You know, it's, it's cool, man. It's, um, it's an exciting time to be a Ranger for sure. And I'm glad that I don't have to face him. We'll put that out there too. Had you ever faced him before? Yes. Yeah. I faced him in 2020. Hey, what was that like? Um, he made a mistake and I tagged him. But when he makes your when he makes his pitches, uh, you walk back to the dugout and you just you have to like it. <laughs> you know, I, I just I yeah, he hung me something slower in an, in an AB previous, and the next time I think I had a runner on second, third, and you know I take two two heaters at 100 at the top and the cutter's 95 and I walk back to that and went well okay <laughs> you know when when guys at the top end like that execute you're supposed to get out so there's no point in getting frustrated yeah there's there's times where you need to do something a little special and and put a ball in play but you know again he's one of the best right-handed pitchers of our generation hands down so it, yeah it's it's cool to be able to play with him yeah, you're just glad that he's on your team now, as opposed to you know on the other bat and the other uh, side of the dugout there. Um, Absolutely. Ryan, did you want to jump in? Oh, well, I'm liking where we're going. I was I was just kind of thinking of you know of, of the guys, uh, you know, you say you had a, a good hit off, or you you know, you luckily had a little success. I mean, is there one guy that whether he was he's he's a generational player or not that you just did, did not like seeing? whether it's in the minors, majors, that you just sat there and you went, you know what, for whatever reason. I just got no chance. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it um, is, but you you just messed me up. We won't mm, show it to that person either. Just mm, – or, it'll be, or it's reverse psychology. Yeah, to see. <laughs> exactly. And then we can tag the person hypothetically. But, no, oh, I mean, yeah. or reverse psychology. It's 2023, you know. It's a new thing. We're superstitious right. uh, creatures. Dude, habit. Cole, Cole took me a long time. Cole took me a long time to get a hit. And it was like, you know, like I, I get why, but I'm walking back to the dugout with, with my bat in my hands going like, surely there's a hole in here somewhere. Like I see it fine. Um, but yeah, they got me, <laughs> they got me on a day in New York and a doubleheader. I think I punched out six times in one day 
and it was it was bad and yeah it was just frustrating that's when i felt like i just walked back to the dugout and i wanted to put my bat down and see if i could stretch my shoulder and get back on the mound but you know for the most part for the most part the game the game works in cycles right so you get somebody one day and they can turn around and dominate you the next day so uh, i don't know i try my best not to look at my previous records with people um i know i struggled for a long time with marco gonzalez too he just it's just a frustrating fastball man like stays but it's it's fat but it's soft but it's hard it's like just funky so you know it's just one of those quirks of baseball and he had my number for a really long time and maybe i squeaked a couple singles to kind of remind myself that i can do it but it's there's definitely there's a lot of them out there that have their fair share of success against me so that's why uh that's why we just got to keep going and and try and avoid i think trying to avoid the human being behind the jersey right is the biggest part because then when it gets personal you you play emotional baseball and sometimes emotional hitting is just bad news well yeah i was gonna say that emotional and we could keep moving but Baseball, I mean, I think everyone can look at you watch football, you watch basketball. I mean, for me, I, I played basketball just as much as I played baseball growing up, you know, sometimes even more. And I could use the emotions of getting pissed off more to my advantage. Baseball was really challenging to do that because yes. if you got too frustrated in the batter's box, you lose control of, of your plan and trying to not tighten up. Um one, have you ever found a way where your emotions helped you to a certain point? Or two, how do you keep yourself in check when you can feel yourself getting a little bit worked up? Mm-hmm. Question. Um, Again, throwing you on the spot here, so I apologize. But no, just thought okay. it was interesting when you brought up the emotional uh, signed up hitting. Um, I think more than, yeah, more than anything else, adrenaline and emotion like kind of hurts. Um, I can think of plenty of times where it works the opposite direction where you try and hit the five run homer and, you know, do the bugs bunny swing through a changeup that never gets there. But, you know, for, for the most part, if you, if you have a chance to call time, step out, breathe and, and realize like, okay, there's, there's a task to be done here, then I find it a whole lot easier than just trying to stand in there and hope it goes away. Right. Because, you know, it's, my legs are going to shake on opening day. I know for a fact that with my first AB, my heart's going to be going 180 beats per minute and the ball's going to look yay big. But, you know, if it for some reason it finds my barrel, then the game will kind of click back to normal again. But, yeah, more times than not, um, I think emotions hurt in baseball during the play than they do help. Now, after, right, after you, you, you clobber one or you – sit me down on an a pitch yeah let it rip don't show me up but let it rip but more times than not when emotions are part of the play you're in trouble um i'm with you i don't remember a an emo- a good emotional at bat for myself um i think it's led to probably dozens and dozens of broken bats um <laughs> strikeouts I don't think I, I was a guy that broke a ton of bats in the, in the dugout per se, but it can lead to that. Um, Over your leg? No, I'm not strong enough to do that, Justin. No. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm too, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have 
the stones to do that either but see um, i don't want to try it out of the out of like the sheer terror that i do try it and either like hurt my leg or the bat doesn't break <laughs> that's the other <laughs> that's the other thing is that injuries that happen with people being too emotional and like i see that i still remember when i was a kid uh, i was in the locker room as you know as a little little guy and i remember not going to name the guy I came in and we talked about this justin you heard the story before and yeah. So mad, I was playing like PlayStation, Aiden, and all of a sudden hear all this ruckus, and then wham, um, uh, the pitcher slammed his head against the concrete wall, broke his hand. And I know, like we've heard about it, but like those are the things where emotions, not in just in the moment, but your emotions after it, um, never turns out in baseball, but it can just bring out so many. Uh, but it really is truly the only sport where, you know, you can't feed off of. In basketball, I can. Someone can elbow me and, and I can get fired up and that can lock me in and make a play. But baseball, it can't lock me in like that. So I'm glad you touched on that because uh, base, baseball is special for a reason and it's hard for a reason. Right. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but like if I swing at 100%, like I just need to go sit back down. I'm going to hurt yeah. myself. I'm going to hurt myself and I will not hit the ball. Like if I swing as hard as I can, right. If I were to get mad about something and just take this huge gangster hack, like 11 times out of 10, I'm not hitting the ball forward fair. It's just not happening. So, so or, what, or what, if I do, if I do, it's hitting an inch and a half above my thumbs and my bats at 12 pieces. <laughs> and that, that makes you feel even worse. Oh, so so what, what, feel, it makes you feel so good about yourself. So then what do you, when you're saying about hundred percent, then what are you trying to think? I mean, you're, I'm not saying a percentage, but like when things are going really well for you, what's it feel like to you? What do you feel like you're actually swinging? And I'm, you know, again, it's not, it doesn't have to be a percentage, but is it, Oh, you're just, you know, it's almost it effortless. Point. You're just yeah. touching it. Yeah. When you, yeah. When you find the groove, right. When you, when you find your hot streak, cause, cause I don't know, the more you think about it, right. Seasons are made on one really good month. And then a couple, okay months. Okay. is different for everybody's standards. And then you're going to struggle for some point. Um, but when you're in the groove, right. You're just hitting the ball, right. That's, that's all I, that's all I can do to explain that. You just get a good pitch and you hit it. And when you hit it right, it's just going to go. And if it goes out, it goes out. If it doesn't, maybe you hit a double or if an outfielder catches it in the, in the, in the gap or at the track, like, I still hit it over 100 miles an hour. I'm pretty sure I won. I just had bad, bad aim. Like that. I like that. Yeah, you're not you're not thinking. You're just re, you're 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 not overthinking too. And I think when things are going well, you just kind of you ride the ride. It's like what again, like the Happy Gilmore thing. It's like up, down, around. I've said that a couple times and stuff. Like you're feeling it. You're just going with it. So that feeling, that that's cool. Feeling the flow, that, baby. Being feeling the, the flow. That there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin. I'm sorry. I I got carried away. It's just these things will no, pop in. But. No, it's, it's great stuff there. I, I had to, a couple of fun last questions for you. Um, sure. so the the day that you came on our show last time, I think it was June 1st of last year. You came on in the morning, <laughs> and then that night, that night you took Jeffrey Springs deep down in Arlington. Did that thought Man. cross your mind as you're running the bases? You're like, I did that for Brian and Justin. Gosh, I wish that were the case. I was just so upset. <laughs> I was not a happy camper <laughs> you know and and like the worst part is uh i've heard it from multiple people like the travel secretary people that have played with the guy before like yeah springs is a really nice guy I'm like yeah i'm sure he is but 
throw it high and tight. You kind of poke the bear and then you hang me something like, yeah, I'm going to get pretty upset about it. I remember this now. <laughs> There, there was, yep. there was some, uh, there was some stuff before this. Okay. Yeah. There was a lip reading that came out and somebody that yep. was deaf decided to send in the transcript of the expletives that I decided to tell Mr. Springs as I was running to first base and it's nothing personal, but sometimes competition brings out the worst in all of us. So, you know, you throw that, you throw oh. it at my face. That's what you get. <laughs> oh. I feel I feel bad because I don't I didn't remember that component of it. I just thought hey, it was a, a fun moment. That's a part of the game. I love it. There's moments. It's not personal. It really isn't. And those there's certain lines, but when 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 you get those moments, those competitive juices, yes, they can bring out some some things you might not want to say. But um, that's the nature of the beast. It really is. Can you guys do Can you guys do bleeps on here? Yeah, you you can cuss it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to cuss on the internet. <laughs> Do you want me to cuss? At some at some point, and it doesn't matter to me, you know. But at some point, some point, it's going to come out. All right, I'll I'll let it go. I'll let it go. It's okay when you're comfortable, you can curse. But just keep in mind, like I'll 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 say it right now. I'll say shit. I I do. I will go and say whatever. <laughs> I I I'm, I'm I have a couple other things coming out on my own personally, and it's not going to be filtered. So. Uh, you're, you're your own person, but I respect you. You're a gentleman. Um, yeah, Justin, next question. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it moving. It's all right. Um, so we, last time we had you on, we talked a lot about how first basemen become like hitting coaches slash therapists. What was the oh. best first base conversation you had uh, this past year? I don't even know. I, there's no way I can have a best, right? It's just like every day it's something different. And with, you know, with the different guys that I get to see in division, you know, I, I, I might've mentioned it previously, but, but Jared Walsh is on my short list. Um, Ty France is a good conversation. Um, Yuli doesn't say a whole lot just cause language barrier, but you know, uh, the guys in division are fun. And then it's a rotating carousel in Oakland. Seth Brown's usually got something good to say. Um, the rest of the guys that work around first base there, you know, that's, that's, it just depends on the day, but I, I don't know. I think having Steven Vogt come over was a treat. You know, I get to see him in the, in the twilight days of his career. Like he, he's a beauty and, and, you know, he didn't have to talk to me. He's 35 years deep in his career and I'm still, you know, a baby by terms, but yeah, there are definitely some, some guys that came through that I was just thankful to have shared the field with. Steven Vogt's such a good one. I, every time I think of him, I just think of him doing the Matt Foley in the van down by the river. I don't know if you've ever uh, seen that clip. Yes. <laughs> does he does a great Chris Farley impression? Um, he did a, I mean, has a just spot on impression of our old field coordinator from Tampa. And it was one of the first times that I ever met him and he just snapped into it. And I went, oh my God, you're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's such a gem. Yeah, he had a, congrats on a great career. That, that guy had a that guy had a long run there. Um, I I did have a question because you're one of the few people I've seen in Major League Baseball today that still rocks the mock turtleneck. Uh, where <laughs> where did that love for mock turtlenecks come from? And is that like I don't, I don't know was was that like a Chipper Jones fandom or something? Yeah, that definitely had something to do with it. You know, um, it was just kind of a throwback look. I saw actually. And give some credit to Andrew Velasquez, the squid, right? Because squid was rocking a real old one with a little Rays logo right in the middle of it. I think he used to work out in it or something. 
I remember seeing him, seeing him with it. And if you guys know anything about his fashion choices, like kind of off the wall, but he pulls off literally everything. So, you know, I see him do it and I see Lindor do it. I'm like, hmm, I bet you the classic Texas tee, right, would probably go like really well with some of these jerseys. And now sometimes I see it, I'm like, okay, it doesn't match with this one. And it looks better. Red on red, I think, looks real good. I think blue on blue looks really good. But the white on white on any color or gray on any color probably just wear the jersey you know but there's um yeah there's something to it man sometimes sometimes it's got some hits and sometimes it doesn't so i just roll with it that day and if it's not a million degrees outside then yeah more likely more likely than not if there's a colored top we're wearing i'm matching matching with the turtleneck it's such a classic look too maybe you should like mix in like some socks with stirrups is that is that ever crossed your mind oh i yeah i that's that's part of the wardrobe. Check some of my, actually check a lot of my 2021. I, I wore it, but then I don't know, at times it feels kind of loud and I don't know, something didn't sit all that great about not playing as well as I want to and kind of dressing like an idiot. So <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just kind of what it takes to grow up a little bit. And um, yeah, you know, but when you're popping, you kind of do what you want. So. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I mean, Pretty sure there's a song about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Damn. The socks with stirrups are just like one of my favorite looks of all time. I think you know, there's a few guys in baseball today that still rock them, but the, anytime you do, you have to appreciate it. It's 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 a throwback. Dude, um, go I I wore them a lot in 2021. I'd like to take a lot of credit for some of that revival, but you know, I'm not gonna get too <laughs> selfish about it. Hey, I'll tell you who I'll tell you who rocks a look who just got traded in the division in the division two is Teoscar Hernandez. Those socks, the bacon strip socks that he was wearing with the high top old black Adidas booties and some, some uh, white with a Royal blue stripe on them. That was a good look. I think. Damn. I have to go back and look that. I don't think I've, I think of that top of brain there, but um, I, so Josh came on this podcast. We talked about it. Uh, he told some great stories, including down at the Rays alt site in 2020, he robbed you of a hit when you desperately needed one. Were, were you ever able to get him back and deny him a hit down the line? No, nah, no, nah, he definitely won that. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, you know, like he kind of going crazy down. Well, not kind of, Brian will tell you, we were going crazy and stuck practicing every day. And then we get to play a night game, right? A night game where we get like <laughs> six players on one team and eight on another. So it almost feels like a real game. And, you know, I think we get through four and a half innings. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I crease one. He made a really nice play on it. And everybody went nuts because he made a diving catch on me. And I know he loved it too, but yeah, I never got him back. Do you still keep the sibling rivalry going as you both are going throughout your professional career? uh here and there for the most part not really you know maybe the rivalry kind of gets more to the golf course than anything personal between us because you know our games are our games are apples to oranges i think um i want him to succeed and do well at everything he does and you know it should be should be the same feeling the other way so yeah definitely some competition but as far as you know as far as success goes i think it's more of us just want the best or we both just want the best for each other more than competing against each other. I, I still love the, the video of the race day where you guys live together. That's, that's one of my all time favorite, <sighs> you know, it, 
you put you put hand soap in the dishwasher. It was it was, it was a it was a sad day, bad day. Oh man, I thought I was onto something too, and uh, the next thing I know, I get a whole kitchen floor full of bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, all right, I said a couple last last ones for you. I don't know if you ever check out your own Wikipedia page, but if you if you ever have the, the 2022 section of of your pages, they did you dirty. Whoever did it, like you know, th- they have you as like your accomplishments or like things notable that you did in 2022 was like you were the first player to to strike out in two immaculate innings in one game, and then you also hit into a three six triple play. Like these are like things that like they have on your Wikipedia page. But if we were to turn the tables. And if I was to make a Wikipedia account and go in there and put some different entries in there, what's a, what's a couple accomplishments in 2022 that are actually accomplishments that you're proud of? I turned a triple play. How about that? Boom. Uh, like that. Yeah. So flip the tables there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I probably like, I would probably put on my Wikipedia page that I was the least involved fantasy owner in all fantasy football this year to make the league final. So that's got something to do with it. Shout out to Josh Spores because he ran my team for me. Um, <laughs> oh, what else? You hit some bombs, know, some 450 plus bombs. Yeah. yeah, yeah but knowing, yeah, some people care about that, you know. I had, some, I had some good ones. I had some fantasy good ones. football, um, triple play, triple play. Yeah. Um, I didn't pitch this year. I, one of these years I'm going to pitch. I don't, I mean, now with the new rule changes, like, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but one of these years I will get on the mound and at least throw one registered pitch in the major leagues. Cause I, I would love to do that. I don't know. I can't tell you how hard it's going to be. And I'd love to say, say it'd be above, I'd love to say it'd be, I'd say 82 and a half is a pretty good, pretty good guess. It's a good line. You're a strong you know, guy. You could get that. Dude, I I promise I threw hard at one point in my life off the mound, like towards the plate, but that was the thing. It was just kind of like towards the plate, not really over the plate. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the direction of it. Yeah, my curveball was bad. Uh, I like to think my changeup was pretty good, but yeah, I, I give up my fair share of, you know, missiles pitching to the boys in Juco, so... <laughs> That's just that's just how it goes. I'm pretty sure my elbow still hurts from the last time I pitched. So, you know, maybe maybe <laughs> cutting it loose as hard as I can is probably not my best idea. But yeah, at some point, I would love to throw a registered pitch in a major league baseball game. Absolutely, because you see some of the position players that do it. And no offense to the guys that get out there on the mound, because it's like the whole man in the arena thing. But it's like you see some like fifty some mile an hour pitches, and I think yeah, I mean, you absolutely could get up there and, and throw some some, some gas. Okay, here's uh, here's something. Here, the best position player pitcher that I've ever played with, right? Charlie Culberson. That, that is, it's not even close. Charlie Culberson has like, I don't know what kind of, I don't know, the pitching lingo is so like Chinese to me. I don't understand a single bit of it. But he cuts the ball really good, and it carries really good. So he throws like, he gets up there and he throws 88, and you know you're getting an 88 mile an hour cutter but it just stays on the plane and you like, Oh, it's a position player. Surely I'm going to get something to hit dude. He break bats. Uh, he might've gotten a punch out this year. Like it's kind of sad that he got as many outings as he did just because that means we are out of that many games. But I yeah. will say for, you know, for the entertainment purpose and for is like him taking that home with him at night, like pretty cool to see him get up there and do pretty well. 
I like that. It's like Stevie Wilkerson did that for the Orioles. Got a save. Oh, uh, shout out Stevie. So do you know Stevie, Stevie and I went to the same high school? I did not know that. I did not How know about that. that. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Stevie, Stevie was a senior when I was a freshman, I believe. Did you play with him, Ryan? I, I did in 2021. And I knew him beforehand in the organization. Uh, what, what He's a great guy. He's a great dude. Uh, he like he likes to keep it light. He, he's a competitor. Um, seeing him on the mound uh, was was pretty cool. Uh, one one of my favorite guys uh, to, to be around for sure. So the I'm pretty sure my high school coach. I don't know if he was at the game or what happened, but they wound up buying the shirts. Or I don't think I don't know if they made them or what. But the let Stevie pitch shirts, like <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Alan, Alan, Alan C. Pope High School. A lot of the staffers were wearing those shirts. Hilarious. Stevie Wilkerson pitching oh. in the big leagues. What a legend. Yeah, that guy That guy rocks. I know, right? Um, all right, last question for you is I, I looked back at your Twitter account. And I, I did see on Instagram that you, 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 know, you might be taking a little hiatus from the gram, but you've, you've taken an even longer hiatus from Twitter. Your last tweet was March of 2021. Can, can we get like nice. a firm commitment or maybe a soft commitment that 2023 you're going to make at least one more tweet. I'm going to think about it. I'm definitely going to think about it. <laughs> That's all I asked. Yeah. We've tagged you certainly in enough stuff too. So if you haven't checked your Twitter mentions, it's a lot of us. <laughs> um, you know, as much as I'd like to check my Twitter mentions, I think I'm going to stay away for my own mental health. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I'm going to go out fair. there. I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb and say that there is, it is tough to find encouragement from Twitter. So there's no point in even looking when half the internet thinks that, you know, I should not play baseball. That was the, uh, Twitter is a, is a place, you know, we'll leave it at that. It is a, (laughs) um, I hadn't been on it. I I created one. So all my buddies did when we were uh, seniors in high school, I deleted it within the first three months of having it and then didn't get back on until I retired, I guess in July. And man, especially with the Ravens right now, that just how they lost. Uh, I would have thought that the Ravens didn't win a single game this season, mm-hmm. um, which kind of is how it felt. But for hey, stick to your mental health. You know what? You know, if, but, but just respond to Justin for text. Other than that, you don't have to get on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> just do, just do like a happy opening day tweet. Yeah, that's all we need. Opening day 2023, and then you can log off and delete the app again. We just need one more tweet. Uh, Breaking Bats pod, happy opening day. Hashtag content. Fuck oh. it. <laughs> what a hashtag. That's Wouldn't it. hate that. Wouldn't hate that. What a, what a way to end it. Um, dude, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, I know you you probably have a lot of stuff going on here You know, as you get ready for the season, but uh, we definitely appreciate it. Um, is there a message that we should pass along to Brian on your behalf? Keep hitting bombs. Yeah. In Korea now, which keep is so hit, sick. Keep hitting bombs. Yeah, dude, he's he's freaking hitting homers worldwide at this point, you know. Pump for him. And new opportunities are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he definitely is Mr. Worldwide. It's the best. Uh, well, like I said, thank you so much for coming on here, dude. It's been so much fun. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.